Our text this morning is from James 1, uh, 2 through 15. You can find this on page 1011 in the Bible's placed on the chairs in front of you. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will always receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat, and withers the grass. Its flowers falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This is the word of the Lord. Now you may be seated. Sorry about that. A little eager beaver up here. Um, Thank you, Watts, for sharing and uh, reading. Yes. Yes. Any other uh, children's church um, for nursery or children's church? You guys are able to leave now. Great. Wonderful. Well, listen, um, Watts, thank you for reading. And uh, the scripture for this morning, he was not reading from last week. That was that it is pretty much the same scripture text that we talked about last week. I didn't have time this week to prepare anything, so I'm going to do the same one I did last week. Uh, No, so this morning, uh, you you probably noticed we added verses 13, 14, and 15, and um, reason being is this, uh, I wanted to have the whole thing read because I wanted you to see how James uh, introduces temptation, and that's what we're going to talk about for most of our sermon today, we're going to be talking about verses 13 through 15, and and how James uh, begins with trials and then moves into temptation, I think it's important for us to see, and we're going to... We're going to focus in on that in just a moment. Um, uh, before we get started, I, I had a lot of conversations this week, um, just through trials and different things that uh, folks are going through, and, and how uh, last week the Lord's Word spoke to you and me, and um, I wanted to stop for a moment, because in one of the conversations that I had, uh, the, the conversation of tragedies came up, and we, we began to talk through um, trials and, and how that works together with tragedy and, and, and God bring, being in control and, and how that all comes to pass. And so I wanted to start for a minute and just give you a 30,000 foot view of, of what scripture teaches us inside of these. I'm just going to make it in four different points and then we're going to take that big broad approach and we're going to move it into um, 
really what James is trying to get to in the heart of his letter. But, but here's, the, here's what we believe. Um, scripture tells us, and, and, and we believe that God is sovereign, that he's in control, okay? And what that means is that everything that comes to pass is ordained by him, okay? Um, we also see in Scripture that God is good, all right? Not only is he in control, but he's good, and he loves us, and he proves this love to us and this faithfulness to us by continuing to um, pursue us, not us pursuing him. And ultimately, he shows his love for us as he lays down his life so that you and I can be reconciled. So we see he's good, and we see he loves us. We also see that there's evil in the world. Um, we can't avoid that. We, we don't have to go further than ourselves to realize that things aren't the way that they probably, um, if, if perfection was the goal, that they, they should be. And we notice that there's something wrong. And we call that sin. And, and we call that sin as this rebellion against God. And, 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 maybe, and finally, finally, we see that we're responsible for that sin, okay? So that the responsibility rests on you and me. It, it doesn't rest on, on uh, another person's actions. It's on my own as well. And when I say all that together, it brings up this conversation of, of age-old discussion of, how is God good and in control, yet there's evil in this world? That there's tragedies, that a preacher uh, preaches a one-year-old's funeral, that, that he got cancer and died tragically, that they were in a car accident. I, I'm sure you have shared, um, you've had a fair uh, amount of tragedy in your life, and I don't say this flippantly, uh, at all, because I, I have experienced great tragedy as well. And, and we look at that, and, and we, it's a mystery. And, and the answer, I, I, I don't intend to, 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 to preach a sermon this morning on, on the 30,000-foot the view of how all this fits together, but the truth is that it's a mystery, but they're all true at the same time. God is in control. God is good and loves you. There's sin in this world and evil in this world, and we are responsible for sin. And it all is true at the same time. And, and it, it's a mystery. And, and on one hand, I, I say it's a mystery, but on the other hand, I also believe it makes sense. I believe it makes sense because we, you and I, are created beings. We are not the creator. Um, we believe that God is holy and perfect um, without blemish, true, strong, powerful. If we had the mind of God, we would understand this very thing that seems as a mystery to us. And so we can stand confidently and proclaim that God is good and that He loves us and look what He has done. It's filled throughout Scripture. And we can also see that there's evil in this world and we need a Savior and we also can say God is in control and holds all things and nothing happens in your life without God ordaining it. And, and I want to share that with you and I hope that leads to maybe more conversation. Maybe that will lead to a conversation with your, with your spouse, with your friends, with your family, how all that is true. But, but we see that God perfectly holds it all together and it's a mystery to us created, but it's all true and perfect and in, in, in control in the Creator's hands. So I wanted to say that before we start because I wanted to at least 
acknowledge all of that because um, I think our minds go there when we begin to talk about trials and we begin to talk about faith. Um, but that is not what James is talking about, okay? And, and there's the distinction I just want to make this morning as we start off, is James is not answering the question of, of the providence of God and evil in the world. That's not his intention in this letter. Um, he, he believes what we just said, but that's not what he's addressing right here. What he's addressing is that the practical need of new believers, of people that have just Jewish men and women that have just put their trust in Christ, he is preaching and writing this letter directly to them for their practical growth. Okay? So this is practical theology lived out. This is when this happens, think like this. When this happens, believe like this. When this happens, show love and, and live out this the practical side of what is deeply believed inside of him. Okay, and so that's where we're starting this morning. Um, a little bit of a, of a recap. So we know that's where James's angle is coming into this as we talk about trial. But a bit of a recap uh, to last week, and this won't be long, um, but if you weren't here last week or you didn't hear the sermon, uh, it's going to build on it. And so I at least want to give you a little bit of what we talked about um, we said that God brings trials to test our faith, okay? That God brings trials because he loves us. And, and, and I, I said last week, that may sound offensive at first, especially if you're in the midst of something very hard. But, but the truth is, God brings trials because he loves you. Because these trials, they're, they're not to fail us, okay? God isn't sitting there in the... Uh, up in heaven and, and looking down on you and going, I'll give him this one and watch, let's see how he handles that curveball. That's not what God is doing. He's actually bringing tests um, to bring us to growth. Uh, some of you guys are, are, are military or have been military. Some of you, uh, armed forces, uh, police, firefighter, you, they have these, even elementary students, we were all there one time, we have these, phys, these PT tests, right? The, the physical training test, you know, how many pull-ups can you do and, and run in this amount of time and, and how many sit-ups and, you know, et cetera. Those, that test is not there to fail you. Nobody's, the, you know, the person's not there to go, let's see if you can get past this one. It's there because it's to gauge your ability. It's, it's there to gauge how far you're at and where you need to go. Where are you weak and where do you need strength? It's gauged to give them a meter of how to help you grow, not to hurt you or harm you. And we see that God gives us trials because he loves us. So we can see where our trust is. Oftentimes we realize in, in trials is that we don't have what it takes to walk further. That our trust has to be in something or someone greater than us. And we see that through trials, and we see how we trust God and his power in the situation. So God intends for trials to strengthen us, not harm us, <clears throat> excuse me, and bring us to maturity. Listen to Peter. Peter, First uh, Peter <clears throat> chapter 1, he says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure tr many trials for a little while. 
These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than the mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. God brings us through trials as a refining process. He is removing the impurities in us and drawing us deeper into holiness. That is what God's doing. And so we can rest in Him in these trials, although painful, and although they, we struggle and there is real pain and real suffering, we can know that God's hand is on it. We are not drifting down the river and nobody's eyes are on us. God is with us. And so let's look at verse 13 as we move into James. Is, he's going to move from trials and we're going to talk about temptations. And this is real, really important because I think our language, um, I think all of us probably can fall into this, but I think our language, uh, the way we speak about trials and temptations, sometimes we can think that those two words are synonymous. That trials and temptations are the same thing. And James is making a distinction here after he leaves trials to look at verse 13 and 14 and 15 and say, make sure you understand that, that God's trials and as he builds you up through these hardships in your life are very different than temptation. And this is what he says in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Okay, as I said, um, there is a huge distinction. And James wants to make this clear to the original audience and to us. There are trials that we walk through that God ordains um, and they are, they are meant to build us up, but God gives life, not death. Okay? God gives life, not death. He is not the cause of evil. He is the creator of life. He cannot be influenced by evil, and evil is powerless against God. I think one thing for us to know that is, that is really important for us in our faith is to realize that God, um, God doesn't counteract or, or react to evil. There's not a chess game that's being played between God, who is in full control, and, and our, our enemy, Satan, where, where God where, where puts them on the even playing field and God is playing attack or counterattack. That is not what Scripture teaches us, and that is not what, what is true. God is not influenced by evil in the sense of, what his decision will be moving forward. He's not influenced by evil to, oh, I didn't see that move coming on the left side. I better move that to that flank. That is not how God is. He is above. Evil has no power over God, and it's not on the same playing field as God. God is in control, and he hates evil. And therefore, he will not lead anyone into temptation. Uh, the temptation to move and to rebel against God, God is not putting bait out there to try to draw you out and make you fall. God hates evil, 
and he will never tempt you. Very different than, than a trying, painful situation in a broken, sinful world. So how are we tempted? Um, Jesus is speaking in John chapter 10, and Jesus says, the thief has come, and he's talking about Satan, to kill and to steal and to destroy. And then Jesus says, but I have come to give you life and life to the full, abundant life. So um, I, I, I wanted to share this as we move into this idea of temptation. How are we tempted? I have shared this with very few people um, because I think there's reputation at stake with it. I may be the world's worst fisherman. And I mean literal fisherman, right? Like, um, I know how it works. I know a little bit about bait. I know a little bit about line and, and all that stuff, right? I know not enough to be dangerous. Um, and I don't know why, but I can't catch fish. A couple years ago, one of my buddies got married, and we went on a bachelor's weekend. We chartered a boat, went into the Atlantic. Okay, you charter a boat to get trained professionals to tell you where to drop. They give you the bait. They literally go, here you go. They, sometimes we bait your line, drop it in. Okay, we're on this charter boat, you know, out in the Atlantic Ocean. They have found on their radar where all these fish are that love this bait that we have in the boat. And there's like 10 of us in this boat. And like we're all uh, kind of like shoulder to shoulder around the like back half of the boat. And they take our poles. I mean, like literally, they take our poles and they put us in a slot. And we stand in front of the poles. And our job is to release the line and to bring it up. And we're like 10 minutes in, and the first guy like starts catching stuff, and it's excitement. Whenever somebody catches a fish, it's very exciting. And, uh, you know, everybody's pulling them in and everything, and I'm like, yeah, this is awesome, isn't it, guys? Yeah. And I'm like, wait, you caught, how many did you catch? Guys on my left and right, I kid you not, were pulling fish just straight, and yards, I mean, a, a yard, three feet on both sides, we're just pulling fish up off the bottom, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, maybe, I probably ate my bait. You know, I pull it up, and I'm like, nope, not that. Drop it all the way back down, and I keep going on and on and on, and um, it was three hours, and I didn't catch one fish. <laughs> and everybody caught it, I mean, literally, like, everybody caught probably like, like five. And I was trying not to um, be noticed, you know, like, I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. You know, I go walk around and work the room a little bit because this isn't working. And then I got seasick and I had to lay down for an hour um, on, a, on a pad on the boat. And, and so, anyway, I, I, it's not my thing, although I want to be really good at it. It's just, it's not my thing. I, but I love it. But here, the reason I bring it up is they're, they're, it, it's a good, as far as, like, pole fishing, it's a good example of what, what James is saying inside of what temptation is. Um, Satan tosses bait out into the water. And, and we know this as, as the way it works with fish is the fish see the bait, they're enticed, they desire that bait, they go towards that bait, um, their desire to have it takes over, and they finally reach out and they hit the bait. And they bite. They bite down on it, and the fish are hooks and reels it in. And what happens? The fish is taken out of life. 
The fish is taken out of life and, and death comes. And it's what we see here in our lives. And James is telling us, don't, don't let um, anyone say that when he's tempted, he's being tempted by God. God is here to build you and grow you closer to him. He came to save sinners like you and me. He came to save the world, not condemn the world. We condemned ourselves when we turned away from God. So this bait that we see that causes us to rebel against God, that we, we want to be our own God. We want to live our own life. We want to set what we want when we want it and how we want to live. And that bait is there and our sinful desire, James says, is enticed and, and, and we desire it and we move hard after that bait, bait and then we take it. And that lustful desire that takes hold of the bait gives birth to sin. And when sin is grown, it gives birth to death. Death now that we experience in the brokenness of this world. Death now in, 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 in the tragedies and in in really the, the pit that we live in at times. And death for eternity. Full separation from God for all of eternity. In a place called, called hell where God's goodness and presence is removed. And that's what this sin leads to. And temptation is universal. No one escapes it. Paul tells us in Romans 3 and in Romans 6, he, he tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. The good in our eyes, the bad in our eyes, the unworthy in our eyes, the holy in our eyes, all men. Human beings have, have sinned and fall short of, of the glory of God. And he said in Romans 6, he says, the, the wages for that sin, the payment for our lustful desires and attaching onto that temptation and sinning is death. And we realize in Scripture that, as I said first, um, we're responsible for that sin. We can't stomp our feet and say, the devil made me do it. That God has given us Real ability to make real choices that have real consequences. And as we hear this this morning, um, as I hear the sermon as well, there's maybe a, a piece that feels a bit hopeless in that. But the reality is we are not helpless or hopeless. Because God has provided for us when we are tempted. And, and I, I want to finish uh, on, on this thought with us this morning. Is that God has provided for us when we are tempted. We read that and we go, oh, how, how am I ever going to, to face this world if I have these, these desires in me that, that, that this sinful nature wants this bait that's being put out in front of me. Paul writes in, to the, the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians, and he says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation, he will also, with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You see, God provides a way for us to walk 
in this broken, many times hurtful, many times harsh world that we live in as we move to this other world that He has saved us into. James goes on in the letter uh, in chapter 4 and he says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that's good and that's sound advice. But James, you have to understand from where James is coming when he says that, James is not coming from a place of, I will tie up my bootstraps tight, I will, I will, I will be the holiest person that I can be and I will resist the devil and he will flee from me. James is saying this from a place of not independence, but dependence on God. Do you understand? He's saying this in a a way where he's going, um, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why? Because the power of Christ is in you. The living God lives in you, and you have the power in Christ by your faith In Jesus' work, you have the Holy Spirit that lives in you and gives you the power to move forward. Now, the beautiful thing in this is God does not give you the power and then say, use it, and if you you mess it up, then that's your, your one chance. He says, I give you the power. I want you to be dependent on me. I want you to give me control of your life And in the places where you fail and continue to fail and continue to fall down, my grace is sufficient for you. I not only give you the power to live in this broken world, but I also wash you clean before you've even walked out the door with this power, with me in your heart. Because I represent you. Jesus lives and represents you today. His his merit, His character, His work is what is applied to you and me. And so there's this freedom even that we experience as we walk in this world through trials and temptation because He gave His Son as our substitution. He took the death that we earned by our disobedience and He gave you His Son His Son's perfect obedience, which forever protects you. God sent Jesus to live faithfully in our unfaithfulness, and He sent Jesus to live perfectly in our imperfection. And I wanted, as we close the sermon this morning, um, for us to put our eyes on God's perspective. Last week, we talked a few times if we could see it from God's perspective um, in trials. I want to do that this morning as we close. If we could see life from God's perspective and not from our born in sinful nature in a broken sinful world, being sanctified every day, um, fully justified, fully saved in Christ for all of eternity, but God is doing good work in bringing us closer and closer to the person um, of Christ our character and our, our, our maturity, and if we could see it from God's perspective, what He's preparing us for, the world that He's preparing us for for eternity, 
if we could see the glories that await you and I in heaven, Paul says, the trials in this world, the, 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 the hardship that I face now, don't even, they, they don't compare because of the glory that waits for me in heaven. If we could see 10,000 years in the future where all of us are off this earth and out of this world and into the, the, the next world, if we could see the glory that waits for us, that Revelation points out with no more pain and tears, all tears washed away, all tears wiped away. It's okay to be perplexed um, as we walk through trials. I think uh, Tim Keller says probably the, the right response to those that are in trial as we care for them is not to try to run them down to the end of their grieving process, but to sit quietly with them and care for them. But, if, but as we go through trials and as we, we are tempted, and, and as tragedy strikes in our world, it's okay to be perplexed as to what is going on, and I don't fully understand why and how. And, and, but don't let yourself be perplexed to the place of despair because you actually do know who's in control. And you can trust that the one who's in control of, of my 70, 80 years on this earth, this little sliver of time, is the same one that's in control of every sliver of time in all creation. And He loves you. And He's good. I'm going to switch this uh, morning um, and, and come down and pray for us as we... Um, as we begin our benediction song and we close our service, um, a few announcements. The Kents will be back, I think, in the next day or so. And so Ransom will be back uh, here next Sunday. Um, and as we start August and start moving into the school year, you're going to start hearing a lot of information coming your way uh, about life groups that will be starting up in about a month, month or six weeks or so. You'll be hearing more about Sunday school. You'll be hearing more about uh, things going on for uh, kids in our church, students in our church. Um, and you'll be hearing more about uh, when our next new member class is. I know some folks have been asking about that, and uh, that'll be coming up soon in our announcements as well. So with that, folks, let me pray for us, and, uh, and then we will worship with our benediction song uh, as we leave. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the truth uh, that you, you actually meet us where we are in the, in the trials and in the joys of our life. God, you remain steadfast. You remain perfect. Uh, you are in control, and we praise you this morning. Uh, Lord, we do not have all the information, all the understanding, all the truth, all the knowledge, all the power that you possess, Lord. You, you, you are love. You are, you are power. Father, you are truth. You are holy. And Lord, we are created from you. And so we put our trust back into you, God. 
And Lord, we ask that you would continue to grow us in love and intimacy with you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.